1: Good morning and welcome to Autism Live, I'm Shannon Penrod. We are webcasting to you live from the Center for Autism and Related Disorders Headquarters in Tarzana, California. Welcome, it's Thursday. So thrilled to be here with you this morning and a lot to cover this morning. want to remind all of you, if you're new to the show, this entire show is meant to cover autism from a 360 degree perspective. We want to be able to interact with you and to help you to get the information and the resources. That will help you to accomplish the things that you want to do with whatever you have going on. This is such a huge, big, beautiful spectrum of, of a community that uh, it, you know it's it's overwhelming sometimes to think about all the individual things that people need um, but we're here to help support and that's a really wonderful thing and this is a free resource for you so not only do we hope you participate but we hope that you share it with other people and let them know hey this is available to you if it can help you and if there's a way that we can help you in a way that we haven't we would love to hear more about that from you so the whole show is meant to be interactive we hope that you will participate emily's going to cycle through some of the different ways that you can get in touch with us here at the show i will remind you that our homepage is www.autism-live.com. When you go there, there's a computer screen. It looks like a desktop. It's a lovely little desktop, much neater than mine uh, in real life. But there's a computer screen. Click on the little uh, icon on the computer screen, and you can be watching the live show or the most recently recorded live show. And then to the side of that is a big long white box. You can put your cursor there and start typing. Hit enter, and it shows up here on my screen with just a short delay. And in that way, you and I can have a conversation, and you can also be talking to the experts that we bring in here um, every day. We have different people, an array, a cavalcade of people that we bring in on the show. And they're all here to be able to—there's no child-specific advice. We, we always remind you that. But when you write in and you're pretty specific about what you write in they can ask you questions that will lead you to the next thing so whether you're a parent teacher practitioner or you yourself are on the autism spectrum we want to help you hook you up i always think of it as like a switchboard like you know which which uh, those old fashioned switchboards the ones that had the cords like where do we need to plug you into where who do you need access to um you know i and I always remind you at the start of the show that i 'm not the expert at all, oh no contraire um, but i 'm a parent, and when my son was diagnosed with autism at the age of two and a half. I had so many questions, and I was confident, just like, you know, gleefully and naively confident that those questions were going to get answered in a very simple and easy easy way. And I'm reminded every day that uh, there's nothing simple and easy about getting the questions answered because our kids are all individual, uh, just as we're individual, and we all need different things, and our circumstances are different, and how we plug it all together is different. So we need some individual attention on these things. So uh, I'm here to pay it forward and to help you connect. That's really what I want to do and we do the very best we can at that and when we stumble I expect you to tell us and say hey I need you to do this right we'll do the level best that we can All right. we like to start out every morning with something we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day this is when we take on one word one phrase one acronym and we try to make sense of it so that we can plug this word into our vocabulary and use it in a way that helps us to get more done, right? That's really what it's all about. It's not about just memorizing terms and being able to drop them and sound like, you know, that you know what you're talking about. Uh, it's about understanding these terms so that we can use them for the betterment of whatever we're trying to do. Okay, so the, 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 acronym that we have today is one that we've been talking about a lot in the last week. It's BIP, or as some of us like to refer to it, the BIP. I don't know why. Uh, That makes me laugh. But anyway, the BIP, what is the BIP? So our actual definition for the BIP is a Behavior Intervention Plan. That's what the BIP stands for. Our actual definition, an action plan based on observations made in an FBA, oh, this is where we go down the rabbit hole, right? One acronym takes the place of another. Uh, made in an FBA that outlines how a team will improve difficult behavior that is inhibiting a child's success in school and other environments all right well you know the core of the definition here not that bad but if you don't know what an FBA is you're like I don't know I don't even know I, there's two terms I don't know right this is why we do this everybody, so that we can then do a working definition so let's look at what our behavior intervention plan working definition is it's a concise plan based on child-specific data for successfully managing challenging behavior. It protects the child from forms of discipline that are not effective, punitive, and random. Um, So, you know, we talk about the fact that there's two things we're always trying to do, right? And, boy, Uh, You know, it isn't just autism. This is in life. We're trying to gain skills and get over hurdles, right? Things that are preventing us from being able to do stuff. And we put that in the autism arena. We're trying to build skills, same thing, right? And we're trying to circumvent behavior that prevents our individual from learning those skills. Things like, you know, if the child is doing this, then teaching handwriting is going to be really difficult, right? If the child is rocking and humming and we're trying to work on social skills, it's going to prevent them from being able to have the conversation and make the eye contact and make the friend, right? Not in all cases, but in some cases, we're going to have better odds of of being successful at the social interaction stuff if some of this can be tamed. But we know that from watching the show that this rocking and the hand flapping and the lining up cars and the biting and the hitting and all these things that we consider challenging behaviors, they're there for a reason. There's nothing random about these behaviors. They're there for a reason. And, and in order to circumvent and get around these behaviors, we have to do some very specific things. we got to figure out what the reason is for this behavior. Because when we figure out the reason, and that's what that FBA does, it figures out what is the function of this behavior. Then we can be very, then the research is already there. Once we know the function of the behavior, research is there that shows this is what's effective. But there are several different components to it. Figuring out what we need to do before the behavior happens, what we need to do when the behavior happens, what we need to do after the behavior happens, and how we can fulfill the need of the behavior in a different way. So if I'm rocking and I'm hand-flapping and I'm humming to calm myself down, we can't just say, stop doing that. That'd be cruel. And it wouldn't be effective, right? But If we know that I'm rocking and hand flapping because I'm upset and I don't have the words to say stop doing what you're doing, it's making me crazy, right, i got to have some means of calming myself down other than this. There are lots more effective ways of calming myself down than this, although this works. Have you tried it? It does. But we can help this individual by giving them functional communication to be able to say, can you stop making that noise, either with a gesture, on an on a pad, on a tablet, uh, or sometimes, a lot of the time, with spoken words, so that maybe that's what this person needs to do to calm down. It may be something more internal, not that you're doing, and we can help this individual. Uh, and, but part of our intervention for the behavior plan has to include what we're doing beforehand right, what we're doing during the behavior, what we do after the behavior and what replacement behavior we're giving that's what a behavior intervention plan does um, and it's based on scientific. it should be anyway, based on scientifically proven uh, effective methods it's got to include that function of the behavior, it's got to include what we're doing as an antecedent modification, and has to include that replacement behavior. It has to include what our consequence strategy is if the behavior has happened after all the things that we've done. Um, And a consequence strategy for when the behavior doesn't happen, that there's a reward for when the behavior doesn't happen. So we've been talking a little bit about, because this is a really important component of any child's plan if they're having challenging behavior that's preventing them from the skill building. And it's especially important in school because the information hasn't gotten down, it hasn't trickled to the college, enough college levels where teachers, educators are learning about behavior intervention plans. So we get random stuff that teachers do that they go, well, I just decided to do this because I thought it would be effective. Well, that's lovely right? Except it's not. It's not effective. It's not going to get the job done. And sometimes it puts our kids and other kids at risk. So super duper important that we have well-written behavior intervention plans that are based on scientifically proven evidence. Um, And the reason why we've been talking about this for a week is there's a new tool available to you online. It's the Skills Behavior Intervention Plan Builder. Uh, it's for professionals and for parents, and we encourage you to go check that out. www.skillsbehaviorinterventionplan.com. No. SkillsBIPBuilder.com. Uh, Sorry, uh, nothing like being confusing. Anyway, really important that you check that out. All right, that's our jargon for the day. I thought it was worthwhile to go back and spend a little time talking about why this is so important. All right, we always have a question of the day for you. And our question today uh, we want to know here we're at the beginning of the year and we've been talking about many different things um, about getting you help, but really useful to us to know today what or who has already been helpful to you. What, you know, let's share some resources here, and when you write in on our Facebook, what you'll do is not only, it's it's like giving that entity or that person a thank you for what they have done, but it also gives information, it's, you know, it's like a good virus that it spreads. And other people go, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that that could be a good resource. And it will help connect them to resources that they can use that might prove to be very beneficial for them. So write in and tell us. We'll try to have time a little bit later on to check in to see what some of the things are that have been helpful to you. Uh, all right, we always have a topic of the week, and you can probably guess our topic this week is all about getting hooked up with support. Uh, whether it's support for your teenager at, as they're trying to make friends, it's support for your three-year-old who needs to get OT and speech in in conjunction with quality ABA, Um, whether it's for you as a parent that you need to get some support because you're overtired, overwrought, overwhelmed, right? Which is sort of par for the course, but we can't just go, well, that's the deal. There's nothing to be done about it. Um, And support for our young adults who are on the spectrum who say, I thought I had this figured out and now I've hit a wall. Where do I go now? I'm older. What do I do now? And many, many more circumstances that you can probably think of, but getting support in all the different ways that we need it. And I find that when we share resources, when we talk, when you say, hey, this helped me and I share some of my resources and we're all getting in a conversation about it somebody gets help somebody gets that much more support so we continue to talk about that this week we have some really lovely guests that are going to be with us Dr. Adele Nadowski is going to be with us in just a few minutes for real progress with Dr. Adele I came in this morning and I said I know I emailed her what I wanted to talk about and I can't remember what it is I had to look it back up guess what it is memory all right how ironic is that (laughs) Um, We had a good laugh about that this morning. Uh, Okay, so we're going to be talking about memory, how memory works, how we build it, and how we work around when we have holes in our memory, because we all do, myself included. Uh, We've got some autism news today, a survey that we want you to participate in, and a little bit later on today, Science Beat with Dr. Jonathan Tarbox. We're going to talk about that prescription for ABA, about what's the right prescription and where did that come from? Is it just a number? that got pulled out of the air this 30 to 40 hours a week, or what's it based on? Dr. Tarbox is gonna make sense of all of that for us, all of that and more, as well as your questions. So stick around, we're gonna be back after these messages.
2: Hey guys, welcome back to Smarty. It's January and a whole new year has gone by to commemorate that Autism Live and SMARTy have decided to give you a template to make your very own time capsule. The materials you'll be needing are glue, a jar, photos, keepsakes, pen, and a template you can print from Facebook.com/slash autismlive. Here's the template that I've printed out from our Facebook page. Depending on the skill of your child, they can do this independently, or you're gonna help them fill out all the questions. Once you have finished filling out the time capsule sheet, I've left two spaces on the top, one for a school photo, one for a family photo. Feel free to glue an image there. Now that I've glued the photos onto my sheet, now I'm going to grab my jar and start filling it up with all the things I would want to remember from the year that just passed. I would say include photos, mementos, toys, things that are going to be really important to you at this time and moment that you'll be excited to see later in the future. Once you're done filling up your jar with all the things that were important to you for the year 2013, you're going to want to seal it up. And it's up to you for how long you want to keep it locked up. Time capsules are a great way to remember where you have been and where you're going. So, I hope you really enjoy this activity, and until next time, crap on, guys.
0: Can you see
2: me
3: flying by your side?
1: Welcome back to Autism Live. Uh, We were talking just briefly about a survey that I want to let all of you know about. The Autism Society of California is pleased to release their 2014 California Autism Survey. While a number of areas are explored in the survey, the two major areas of focus are autism insurance and employment. Two pretty important things, right? The survey will be open uh, from now through Wednesday, February 5th, 2014, for input by parents, guardians, and individuals with autism. Uh, the Autism Society of California goes on to say, as leaders in the autism and disability communities, we are asking your assistance and helping us to share the survey far and wide, which is why we're talking about this here this morning. It's very important that we receive a high rate of response on the survey. The results and data from the insurance portion of the survey are going to be used during an upcoming Senate hearing being hosted by Senator Steinberg's office, that's Senator Daryl Steinberg, in March. The information we collect will be shared during the hearing and will assist us in effectively informing Senator Steinberg and his colleagues on the success and challenge families have experienced since the passage and implementation of SB 946. Uh, that is the, the law that uh, made insurance possible in the state of California to cover autism. We are most grateful to Dr. Lou Vismara and Bob Giovatti in Senator Steinberg's office for collaborating with us on this important issue. Uh, And they go on to thank some other people who have been involved. And uh, they do give a little disclaimer. That we all will appreciate. We understand that there may be some questions or areas that our survey does not cover. We had to make some tough decisions regarding what to include in the survey based on a number of factors. We also had to ensure that the language and terminology used within the survey would be understandable and familiar to our autism families in order for us to have the greatest chance for a high rate of response. There is a link to this survey and it is available right now on our Facebook page, on Autism Live's Facebook page. They want to thank you in advance for your collaboration and confidence in the Autism Society of California. It is their honor and pleasure to serve all of us, uh, all individuals with autism spectrum disorders, their families, and the professionals and agencies who serve them. And that is from Marsha Eichelberger, who is the president of Autism Society of California, and. Beth Burt, the first Vice President of the Autism Society of California. want to encourage you to do that survey. Go to our Facebook page and you will see it there on our Facebook page. Click on it and fill out the survey. You will be helping to inform our legislators here in california about how this is working for you we can't say enough about the fact that the squeaky wheel gets the grease right so we can all complain but if you don't participate you really don't have a right to complain right let them know when people want to know your opinion it's you have a and you have the ability to tell them your opinion it is a wonderful thing to do you'll feel better after you do and you'll be a part of i always say it's like horton Here's a who the little little who's that couldn't be heard until they sang together and then they could be heard and change could happen that's really what's true for the autism community so use your voice I, i always think of the the dad who came on this show and said i didn't find my voice until my son didn't have one we especially in the autism community have Uh, a really sacred, sacred need to use our voices to speak for the people in our community who could not, right? So please go to our Facebook and fill out this survey so that very important Senator Daryl Steinberg listens, right? So let's be heard. All right, we're going to take a break and we'll be back after these messages. Stick with us.
4: When you find out you're having a boy, you always think like, oh, he's going to play football, he's going to do this and that, and then when he's diagnosed,
5: all those things get washed away. It's like that piece that's always in the back of your mind, you know, where is he, what is he doing, is he safe? We really didn't know what we were dealing with. I wish that they could have directed me a little bit more and provided me some information. I
6: was a young mom, I didn't know what it was like to raise a boy, despite a boy
4: with autism.
6: Hundreds of thousands of families are not getting the help they need for their children with autism all around the country. ACT Today is determined to bridge the gap. These families really have to go through a lot to get a grant. The application process isn't easy. The records, the diagnosis proof, they're really battling for their kids. So when we can give them a grant, it is so wonderful to see that they succeed in getting that help for their children. Our founder, Dr. Doreen Grandpachet, is an amazing woman, and she is one of the world's foremost authority on behavior of children with autism. She's extremely knowledgeable, and she oversees every single grant we give. She is part of that process. People may think of autism care and treatment as simply schooling or therapy, but you know, we provide important safety supports. Things like fencing, for example. The whole family's living in fear of that child running out into traffic. I recently delivered an iPad to a little boy with some of the apps that are out there for children with autism. Miracles happen.
0: I got the iPad from act.
7: From
6: act, what yes. did it say? Can you
7: repeat that, Dustin? I what? got the iPad right from Act.
6: We have helped so many military families. And when I think of these brave families that are fighting two battles, one to protect our country and one for the right treatment and care for their children, it, it breaks my heart and I think we have to do more as a nation to help them.
1: There's not a day that doesn't go by that we don't think about it. Some people say,
4: oh, he's normal.
1: You don't see the battles that I see every single day.
4: My husband does have to deploy and when they get on that bus that might be the last time that my
5: kids ever see them. So, I called and then they informed me that he had received the grant, which was like a blessing from above. I was just like speechless, I just started to cry because
7: you know, without it,
8: we would we would have been lost. The AT grant was a total miracle and without that they wouldn't be able to receive a service dog, so we're so appreciated what they've done for us as a family.
6: Recently, ACT Today funded a program for military children with autism in San Diego, the Inclusion Films Program, which is run by Joey Travolta, and teaches uh, kids on the autism spectrum literal filmmaking skills. They learn how to make a movie. Are we ready? There you go, got it.
9: Everything that goes into the process of making a film goes into everyday life. So they're learning life skills, they're learning to collaborate.
5: It was really nice to know how much they were enjoying this camp. And they're with people who are supporting them and are making them feel great about themselves and their differences and their similarities. And I get two kids that are working together
6: and apart and together and apart. So it's an interrelationship as well as a camp and a learning experience. It's so fulfilling when I get letters. One stands out for me, a a boy who was 14 with Asperger's, and we gave him a grant to go to a drama camp. He wrote to us and said, Dear Act Today, thank you for letting me belong for the first time in my life. These kids are remarkable. You know, we underestimate them. They're so knowledgeable, they're so capable, and we can change the life of a family, which means changing the life of the community.
1: Welcome back to Autism Live. We have with us in the studio right now, Dr. Adele Nadowski. We call this segment Real Progress with Dr. Adele. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So uh, we've been joking about this morning that I couldn't remember what it was that we were going to talk about because it's memory. Uh, And that's exactly probably why I wanted to talk about it. Uh, But we should say, first of all, that you are one of the co-creators of skills and that there are lots of lessons in skills that have to do with memory. And there's, I I know when I uh, I got to do this lovely tutorial with you uh, for that went on for several months where I got an hour where I could ask you all kinds of questions, just really amazing opportunity in life. Um, and I was amazed to discover how many different kinds of memory there are, so maybe we should start with talking about the, all the different facets of memory.
4: And then I want to ask you, you said
1: you didn't remember what we were going to be doing today, so how <laughs> was, did you finally remember? You know what I did was I looked it up on my phone to see, because I had sent you an email about it, and so I went back and looked at the email to remind me. So that okay. was that was my device for helping me. So we're going to come back
4: to that later, okay. because that's part of the process when you're trying to have good memory okay. skills, is you have certain devices, whether they be actual physical planners and things you are looking at or ways of remembering things okay so lots of different strategies but um, overall um, I would say um, when it comes to memory there's the idea of short-term memory so you're exposed to some information and you're immediately asked to repeat the information right and um, then it becomes um, more long-term if you now wait a long period like let's say you are recalling something from yesterday or beyond or something like that Uh then it would be more of like a long-term thing and then working memory would be um, what we do a lot of times whereas we remember stuff and then we use that information um, in another way so we like manipulate it or something so for example like if I was just working on regular short-term memory I might say to you something like um, you know red cat horse or something like that and then say what did I say and then you would repeat it right red cat horse and so then that's just you using right. your short term memory but um, if I said something like um, listen to these numbers or these words red cat horse and then I said to you now say them backwards or say them in alphabetical order or something oh, like that gosh. that's where the working memory comes in because and today
1: I would fail <laughs> I'm like ah, red cat horse. Wait a minute, a horse. Wait, I got to put it in alphabetical order. No, really, that's to me today. That's just where I'm at today. That I would go ah. So that's what we're doing, like
4: all the time, right? Yeah. Like we're remembering information, not just for the sake of regurgitating it or something, but right. for using it. Right. We manipulate it and put it into a different format or whatever it is. We do that a lot when we're just like managing ourselves in daily life. Yeah. Um, so, but then of course, when you're teaching memory, you got to make sure that you're not just um, focusing on one like aspect of things to remember so you teach them remember things they've heard auditorily you teach them remember things they've seen so that's the visual Um, and uh, there's like spatial memory yeah like where things are located Um, I'm really bad like I've always said I'm really bad with um, remembering how to get places oh interesting when driving and stuff but there's techniques and stuff you can use or like when you park your car and you don't remember where it is Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, that might go under the spatial category. But um, basically, I would say all of those terms are not that important, like the Mm. auditory, visual, spatial, episodic is another one, Mm. which has to do with remembering, like, events or uh, details about events in your life, like, you know, when you went to Disneyland or something and remembering Mm. the things that you ate and what you did and stuff. I don't think all that's really um, as important, except that you want to make sure that you're teaching all of them. Okay. And you're not forgetting
1: to... Well, and I think having a basic understanding of what they are, because we all have strengths and weaknesses within that, but understanding what they are so that you can look at it and see what the weaknesses are. I love in the film Recovered, which is about, it follows the four four of the children that were treated at CARD and then catches up with them later when they're teenagers. There's a moment where the the little girl, um, the therapist, is working with her and trying to get her to remember, he tells her a story and then asks her what the name of the bunny is I think it's like Peter Cottontail, and there is a moment you see this child struggling. Yeah. She wants to remember it so badly, but she doesn't. Yeah. And it and it's and it's heartbreaking to watch because it reminded me so much. I used to say that Jem was like a dry erase board that you could write something on it, um, but the next morning it was gone. Um, and to see that portrayed and recovered, it really touched me deeply. And then to see her as a teenager, and I've now met and talked to Jana as an adult, and she's just a sharp young woman. Oh yeah. And to see that a child who is not able in that moment, it almost looks like Alzheimer's. You know, if you have uh, aging uh, relatives that that have that, where they, you know, they just go blank, and you can see this in this five-year-old child, and your heart beats fast, like. oh, no, how could this be happening? But there are ways to teach
4: it. Yeah. Being able to remember something has a lot to do with attending. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to remember something if you're not attending to it in the correct way. So she could have literally just been sitting there and hearing, like, wah,
1: wah, 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 Mm -hmm. wah, and then,
4: what's the bunny's name? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? And that's where we have problems with, like, auditory... um, problems of, pro- they call it like auditory processing, processing yes. or like reading comprehension and things mm-hmm. like that. They can read, but they can't tell you anything they read about. Yeah, They're not attending to the thing, the things stimuli that are being presented to them in the correct way to be able to remember. Like okay. when we park our car and forget where it was, it's because we're not attending. But if we actually take the time right. to look at the sign and look around us, and we're going to remember. Or when I don't remember how to get places, a lot of times that has to do with, um, like, I'm too dependent on my GPS or I'm right. too dependent on someone else in the car who I'm right. saying which way do I go and they go right left blah, blah, blah. and I'm not actually attending and looking at my environment you know what I mean okay
1: so one of the first things that we do is is strengthen the skill of attending Then, yeah when we're working on memory
4: yeah so um, and you give them ways to attend okay. so for example like um, things they can do to remember the information and so that might be something like visualizing something mm-hmm. so like for example when um, he was reading a story to her about the bunny. Um, maybe if he could have taught her to, like, visualize the story, mm-hmm. she would have remembered the name of the bunny. Interesting. Um, something this to where she is attending to it, you know what right, I mean? Right. Or, like, um, we rehearse things. So, like, if you're going to tell me something and I have to remember it, like a phone number. Uh-huh. Uh, the way that I would attend to it to make sure that I remember it is to rehearse it over and over again. Okay. Or maybe I might even chunk it together or something or come up with other sorts of strategies. There's like a bazillion different memory strategies you can use like mnemonic devices and um, different things like that but but different all of things that are going to work to do do different with people. making sure that you're attending to yeah. the information.
1: Yeah. But different things are going to work with different people, so it's never a, with memory, it's never a one size fits all, but I but I feel sort of like there's a toolkit and we can pull tools out and say this is how we can help this individual to be able to remember what they need to remember to lead a happy life. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty pretty impressive and I I I I think it's a fascinating field, and maybe we should take a break and come back and talk about just some of the mnemonic devices, because you said we were going to come back to how I helped myself to remember (laughs) what it was we were going to talk about. So let's do that. Let's take a break, and we'll be back with Dr. Adele Nadowski. The live feature is open if you have any questions about memory or something else for Dr. Nadowski. Stick with us.
4: Skills is an online program that provides assessment, curriculum, positive behavior support planning for challenging behavior, and progress tracking, and it does this all in one place. The skills assessment and curriculum addresses eight areas of development, which even includes advanced higher level areas such as executive functions and cognition, which pretty much makes Skills the only ABA-based set of curricula for teaching more complex skills, things like problem solving, planning, self-management, perspective taking, and even inferring and predicting others' private events. Skills is a four-step system. Step one is to add the child to your account. Step two is to start assessment. The skills assessment is the only ABA-based assessment with psychometric research demonstrating the language subscale to have excellent reliability. Every area of human functioning and typical child development from infancy to adolescence was researched, making the skills assessment the most comprehensive of its kind in the world. And we're quite proud of that.
10: Skills is easy to use. Simply click Start Assessment and begin answering questions. Or simply type in a keyword, find specific activities to assess, and add activities to treatment. Step 3. Choose Activities. Once you've completed the assessment, Skill selects from a pool of 4,000 activities categorized by age, level, and skill type to provide you with exactly those activities each child needs. Start by choosing a curriculum, then a lesson, and finally an activity. Click the information icon to view prerequisites. Ages in which targets develop examples, and IEP goals. Click the video icon to watch a short video. Once you've identified an activity you want to teach, adding activities to treatment is a snap. Step 4. Start Treatment. Here you can access customizable activity lesson details, add your own customized targets and exemplars, and edit an activity status such as introducing or mastering it. You can even print handouts such as worksheets, tracking forms, visual aids, and other materials. Skills also offers multiple progress charts, mapping curriculum progress, lesson progress, and cumulative number of activities and targets mastered over time. The Skills language curriculum is categorized by verbal behavior type so that users can identify progress for verbal operants, such as echoics, mans, and interverbals.
4: Skills is one of the only programs that provides the ability to write behavior intervention plans, or BIPs, for challenging behavior.
10: With just a few clicks, the outline of the Behavior Intervention Plan is written for you and ready to be printed and implemented.
4: You can learn more about Skills today and get started by visiting us at www.skillsforautism.com or you can call us at 877-975-4559. Skills. Progress starts here.
1: Welcome back to Autism Live. We're having a very good time here making fun of me and my lack of memory and and my lack of ability to see and so on and so forth. But in any case, uh, it's all good. Uh, It's all good. We're here with Dr. Adele Nadowski, and we call this segment Real Progress with Dr. Adele because she helps to hook us up with things that make sense that we can really, you know, put... Put some uh, elbow grease behind and, and see some progress. And we should mention that she is one of the co-creators of Skills. We've been talking about memory today <laughs> and, and sometimes my lack of ability to access my memory. But before we went to break, we were mentioning, because I couldn't even remember, I had asked her uh, earlier this week to talk <laughs> about memory, and then I couldn't remember what I had asked to talk about. <laughs> Irony. Um, <laughs> but she asked me how I ultimately remembered, and it was because I went back to my phone and relooked looked up the email that I had sent her her so that I could look at it and go oh right memory that's what we were going to talk about Uh, and we we were talking during the break about how many different ways there are to remember things that we can help ourselves to remember things and it's very individual sometimes but there are some things that are sort of you know socially acceptable that we all kind of know we were talking about how to remember the colors of the rainbow over the break Uh, I remember from a kid saying Roy G. Bibb now is that the same thing that you did now I don't know why roy g Biv is any more (laughs) of something because you had to memorize that right it's not something that just right
4: but earlier i talked about how like when you're trying to remember a phone number you might chunk it together like even saying something like um, 783 instead of 783 for some right. reason. Isn't that more helpful? It is more helpful, yeah. Um, so Roy G. Biv is the one thing you had to remember but that's better than having to remember like all the different colors.
1: Yeah and does everybody right. know this because it's ROY so the first <laughs> color it's red and so and then uh, O is orange then yellow uh, then it goes green and then blue indigo violet so that you can remember. Uh, you know I think it's funny I'm, I'm starting to do piano again I haven't done piano since I was like I don't in sixth grade and I remember for the the top clef every good boy deserves fudge. but I can never I can't remember what the one was for the for the bass clef I, I like I, I need somebody to tell me if somebody knows write in and tell me because I can't remember what the mnemonic device is so I can't remember <laughs> so these uh, are
4: great strategies though you get with acronyms yeah. I know um, uh, people sometimes will come up with a song to remember something yes. Um, or they might like tie a string to their finger or to
1: their purse or something if they want to remember to do something. My Uh, husband puts things on the doorknob if he has to take something and mail it. I'm notoriously bad at remembering to bring things with me in the morning, but he balances them on the doorknob so that, uh, you know, he remembers or he puts it in the visor of his car. That's his way of remembering. Yeah.
4: And I know a lot of people have gotten accustomed to making to-do lists. Yeah. I don't even know when I think I started doing that when I was in high school or something. I used to just love to sit there and write out my to-do list. Yeah, It's <laughs> a like, certain type of personality, off. right. Um, but it's funny because these days I don't like having paper yeah and so to help me remember things I rely on my phone mm-hmm. and I think that it's totally acceptable that when we're teaching children with autism that they have things they would rely on we don't have to expect them to just remember everything it should be like what everyone else would be doing yeah and if I have to rely on my phone for stuff then it's totally fine for them too so a really we have to be realistic point. on what we're expecting them to actually remember a really good they point. can be dependent on these things if that's what everyone else is dependent on why just absolutely Let's do that So that's how you've ultimately remembered what we're talking about today as you looked it up in your planner, (laughs) right? Um, so that's fine, and, and it's good to teach kids to start using planners. And I know no one's using paper pencil anymore, so that's going to look
1: more like something on a tablet or a phone or something right. probably eventually. Right. Um, well, I, m- I mentioned during the break that <laughs> on, on Tuesday, because one of you had written in and said, because we were talking, you and I, last week about executive functions and about uh, you know, how we can help ourselves and help our kids to achieve goals, and somebody wanted to know what's the B- best EF planner, and I asked Alex Plank from wrongplanet.net, Net the other day about what's the best planner and he said planner what are you talking about are you talking about like a paper and a pen who uses that he just was so offended about that uh no you do that on a device now that's <laughs> and I you know I was making the case for maybe a second grader you want to do it on paper and pen and he that just like gave him hives yeah he said train them to what we will all use and none of us will be using paper and pen and you were saying you really are trying to eliminate paper and pen in my life in your life yeah which is awesome I have
4: this great app on my phone it's um called i think clear or something like that mm. and it lets you make lists and mm. you have items and you can move items around in wow. the order of the list and you can cross them off and you can bring them back and you can get rid of them forever and you can so i have every kind of list it's really cool too because wow. it's all in one location you don't have to go start i was always trying to find my lists yeah, you know what I mean like even oh. things like this like someone tells me of a good movie they saw and I like want to write it down so I don't forget or a good book or something and I write uh-huh. it down so I don't want to forget and then I can't find that piece of paper so now that's one of my lists I have books movies whatever like any kind oh, that's of topic great. websites
11: um, oh, that's
4: great. in addition to like you know grocery list Costco list target uh, list you know what right. I mean and every Absolutely. time we run out of something some people go and they write it on the refrigerator I just go straight to my phone and put it
1: in Wow so we, I always
4: have it with me too. You know, we've forget been using
1: notes on our iPhones. And my husband has an iPhone, my son has an iPhone, and I have an iPhone now. Just a couple of months ago, we all went to one, you know, type of device. Um, and my husband signed us up for the cloud to store information, but so our phones were all connected, so we didn't realize that at first. And I'll take oh, a note. And everyone sees that. In a, a meeting, you know, I'll take a note and write something down, and I put it in shorthand that I can understand, and I would just save it, and I didn't realize that it was sending the note to my son at school and my husband at work. And then I would get these strange messages and I would go, what does this mean? And my husband came home one day and he goes, something weird is happening with my phone. And he showed me his message and it was so bizarre. And I said, no, 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 that's mine. Are you sending this? And we had this great moment in the kitchen of, oh, it's you that's doing this to my phone. (laughs) Um, So that would be great because then I could take notes and they wouldn't necessarily see them because especially during the holidays, it was rough. Yeah. I but I knew what he was getting. We've been kind of
4: talking right now about all these things we can do to remember stuff that yeah. um, is like we're dependent on that information. Mm-hmm. But there are times in life when they're going to need to remember things and they're not allowed to have it like, like when they're true. at school. So for example, they're yeah. taking a test. Yeah. And they can't um, bring in their phone <laughs> with right. all the answers or right. whatever. So in those cases, what is going to work for them to remember? It's literally repeated practice and rehearsal. That's the whole point of flashcards. Yeah. Like I used to study for exams using flashcards and I would go through them and flip them and you can time yourself and see how fast you can get at them and the ones I got wrong went in a different pile and I would review those over and over until I could be fluent.
1: So you're literally just training yourself to fluency of remembering something through rehearsal. And the great thing is now they have apps that create the flashcards and and it'll go through and quiz you. And then it will store the ones that you've got wrong in a a separate thing and quiz you twice as much for those. It's crazy the apps that they have for those kinds of things right now. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, if, if... you're studying something, you can go online and see if there's an app for it that does the flashcards for it. That's cool, I like that. It is amazing. You know, there's actually uh, all kinds, is it on Quizlet? I think that they have... Uh, ABA terms. It's mm-hmm. one of the best places to find definitions for ABA terms, and it's other students who are studying to be BCBA's cards. who made flashcards and they share them on Quizlet. It's actually that's amazing. It, it's it's uh, very efficient. I used to what's the big book? Is it me Cooper and Cooper? Just to write
4: my flashcards. Oh yeah. Um, what's for Heron and Howard?
1: Yes, I so I used to have to borrow that from one of you when I was going through and finding jargon and have it get approved and all and all see. these different steps. Quizlet. And I go to Quizlet and I cheat uh, to see what Perfect. some of the That's definitions are. I still have to get them approved, but, um, but in any case, <laughs> but it's much easier than getting out this big book that weighs 300 pounds. I'm exaggerating, but a uh, huge <laughs> book, right? it's not 300 it's books. a textbook, <laughs> uh, anyway, so, uh, but repetition and fluency are key towards those kinds of things, and that helps to move it from short-term memory to long-term memory, perhaps, or longer-term memory.
4: Well, I mean, it can get you to the point where you can remember it a few minutes from now, a few hours from now, and maybe tomorrow for the test. But the Mm -hmm. truth is, is that when you don't rehearse something for a while, you might still forget it. Yeah. I know for example I used to actually be fluent in French because I took it for so many years in school and I was so proud of myself I could say anything I wanted and it was just amazing and now if I try to speak French I actually end up speaking French and Spanish at the same time because I took Spanish later
1: and I mix them together. (laughs) I actually suffer from the same thing but it was the reverse. I was fluent in Spanish and I took a French class and it's over for me.
4: Yeah, so obviously it's something you work at. Your memory, like being able to recall information. Uh, It's something you work at and the more that you're involved with the information you need to recall on a repeated basis and you have repeated practice and rehearsal, then the more likely you're going to always remember it or it's going to become just kind of a fixed part of your repertoire. But the less that you do that, then you're going to start to forget.
1: And I think it's important to anchor stuff in in some sort of reality. If we want our kids to learn something, it's important for if if we want them to stay in, it's got to be important to them. It's got to be relevant to them. I know right now I I mentioned to Dr. Nadowski we're working on state capitals with my son. Okay. And um and we knew it was coming up and uh, in fifth grade and we tried to prep in the summer before on some things, and he and I went on a road trip, and any time that we stopped at a state capitol, we were you know, driving through, and, and any time we were at a state capitol, we would stop and get the postcards and talk about what's unique to this place, and you know, um, so those states, he doesn't have a problem remembering Yeah. Uh, at all, because there's an anchor for him, it's personal to him, he can visualize not just the map, but what it was like when we were at the rest stop, yeah. What the postcard look like he's got more things to pull so from. you want to hear something really interesting on this yeah. is that um, yesterday
4: dr. Kimberly Barron's did a webinar for us for the skills yes. webinar series and um, she was presenting on reading comprehension and she was showing um, some data of how she was getting these kids to be fluent with um, basically relating things so she was really focusing on teaching them the ability to relate stuff through language uh-huh and um, she didn't even focus on reading comprehension but she got them to where you know she could give them a picture of something like let's say you know um, a motorcycle and a horse or something and then they would describe how those things are similar and different and all the different categories that these things can be in and different stuff like that and just this ability of relating and classifying and everything like that and it just really um, like skyrocketed that ability wow. and then once they could relate all of a sudden without any direct training when they were reading They were comprehending what they were reading. And what I'm guessing, and who knows, because the research needs to come out, is that they were probably relating to the text. Yes. They learned an ability to relate to things. And that's really useful for probably remembering things, too.
1: Absolutely. Is relating to it. Absolutely. I can only recall... Um, Because, you know, I used to teach, I used to be a classroom teacher, and um, I was teaching a seventh grade English class, and there was uh, a young man who was in the class who had been written off by a great many people. And you want to talk about challenging behavior, and this young man did not have autism, uh, but he had some issues, you know, and could be violent in the classroom, and he was belligerent and he was not going to learn, it didn't matter what you did, he couldn't read. We were in seventh grade and he could not read. a sentence and, and we were reading one of my favorite books, A Wrinkle in Time. And I was just so determined that this young man was going to at least appreciate this, uh, you know, whether he could whether he could read it but by the time we were done or he could just listen to it. He was, in some way, he was gonna take this novel on and he was gonna understand what it was. I was determined,
4: right? And you wanted him to comprehend what he was I, being yes, read. But,
1: yep. but more than just comprehend, I wanted it to be personal to him. Okay. And um, what I, I, so I asked for a meeting and what I discovered was that the, uh, he was failing every single one of his subjects except art. And I went to his art teacher and said, what's going on here? And he said, he's a brilliant artist. He's just a brilliant artist, but you know, he's just not interested in anything else and so I came to the class and said you know this is I love this book so much and it's so visual I really think it's important that we have uh, that we nominate some people in the class to be the class artist. that as we read every day oh. somebody needs to do the visual representation of what we're reading good call and he that's what he did for the class and so he would sit and we got him some pastels and big pieces of paper and he would draw as we would read and by the end and he was reading with us yeah it was amazing because he amazing. had an in and he was excited about it you know I I didn't get to see him after that grade you know so I don't know whatever became of him but I think of him often and think about you know there's a way in for everybody yeah um, and uh, and at least I know <laughs> that that he understood that book yeah. in a personal way, which was really super duper important That's to amazing, me. Shannon. I love that story. Was, uh, you know, it was a very uh, fun thing, and it was educational for me to realize, okay, you know, and helpful to me ultimately when I had my child, to realize, okay, there's more than one way to do these things. And did he things. seem like he was enjoying it? Oh, my goodness, and he got so much attention. For his art. That was the other thing that I discovered was, uh, and shortly after that I took a, um, a class in the four different kinds of kids that are in the classroom, and it really ties in with what we talk about here, about there's usual suspects for functions right <laughs> and they would and they talked about the kids who need attention that they're empty buckets and how important it is that you give them attention instead of giving them the negative attention give them the positive attention and I realized after the fact that's what we had done was given this child the positive attention because at, when when we get we get to the last five minutes of the class we would have him come to the front of the class hold up his picture and everyone would and describe <laughs> describe what it was that he had drawn yeah. and what we had read so that we were testing to see if he had been listening, right? Um, and But he became a great teacher because some of the kids who were having trouble accessing it for whatever reason got it from his picture. Oh, my gosh. So amazing. he was feeling this, and they would praise the picture, and we would hang it up. And other classes would come in and say, who drew that? And we would say, oh, it was, you know, this student. So kids were coming up to him during lunch saying, dude, cool drawing." uh in, in mrs p's room <laughs> that's who i was mrs p so anyway what were you teaching english i did not know english. You taught seventh grade english i know english. it's frightening for you isn't it because usually you have to proofread the things that i write and you're appalled on a regular basis i know i wasn't there for grammar uh that's hilarious <laughs> it is hilarious in any case we should take a break and then we're going to come back uh and talk more with dr Del Nodowski, so stick with us
11: I'm Bryce Myler and I'm the Contracts Director for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. I've been here for about five years. CARD has several employees with many years of insurance experience uh, dealing with insurance, dealing with pre-authorizations, dealing with discovering whether there's coverage or not. So we have more experience than any ABA provider that I've ever come across. So for, for a prospective client, somebody that may be interested in you know ABA therapy and what CARD has to offer, We have a special 800 number um, and you call that number, they will talk to you about what we have to offer, uh, how ABA works, they'll ask you for the front and back of your ID card and then we check to see if you do or do not have coverage. If you have coverage for ABA therapy we try to do whatever we can to set it up where we can bill for you and you don't have to fight with the insurance company every month to get your claims paid. For California residents we recently did a series of insurance trainings all over the state and you can click on the link below to watch pretty much the full presentation. It has a lot of information how you can get your insurance company to to comply with what they're supposed to do, uh, understanding the networks and many other um, valuable pieces of information.
1: Welcome back to Autism Live, you know from time to time we like to ask our experts questions that you guys have written in and so our question today we have Dr. Adele Nadowski with us and our question from a viewer is what is ABA?
4: Alright, so ABA stands for Applied Behavior Analysis and um, it gets its name from the science of behavior which is behavior analysis and that science um, is not always applied, sometimes it has to do with basic research. Um, and things that are done more in the lab with animals and things like that. But once we get into applied behavior analysis, then it becomes um, using the science of behavior towards meaningful um, things in our environment that everyone would pretty much socially agree are meaningful and um, that need change. So this could be anything. Um, Since we're looking at the science of behavior, it's any behavior. It could be someone needing to quit smoking, lose weight, um, going into organizations and helping them to increase their productivity of their employees. Um, you name it, if there's a behavior that you're trying to increase or decrease, that's basically what it is. And so um, ABA is not synonymous as autism treatment, although you will read a lot of times um, ABA treatment for autism mm-hmm. everywhere, and that's that's okay. It basically means we've made ourselves on the map as a... a um, application of a science that's very relevant for a particular population but remembering that it can be learned to teach anybody anything um, and oftentimes too one thing I want to note is that I've heard people when they use the term ABA they'll use it synonymously with um, DTT which is discrete trial teaching and so they might say something like oh I, I don't like that ABA stuff um, I tried that and it didn't work with my child or something like that
1: and it's just sitting at and a table then what
4: they- are um, actually yeah. referring to is that someone who was implementing bad ABA mm-hmm. and just did DTT sitting at a table trial after trial um, the same thing over and over again and it was very rote and it wasn't flexible and they didn't add in other teaching procedures that are within the ABA umbrella so DTT is only one uh, teaching procedure within the ABA umbrella there's many others as well um, and um, so that's one thing to be a little bit careful of when you're thinking about ABA and what exactly it
1: is you gotta have quality ABA but uh, when you have quality ABA it's been shown time and time again scientifically to be very effective at creating progress with individuals who are on the autism spectrum
4: oh yeah there's a lot of research on that and um, I would say probably close to a thousand studies now at this point that um, show that ABA is effective at either teaching them something or um, helping
1: to eliminate some challenging behavior that they're exhibiting important information yeah. thank you so much for answering that we are uh... gonna say goodbye to dr Nodowski, uh, and we are gonna take a break and go to the a word this is the ongoing documentary being made at the center for autism and related disorders following a little boy jack riley who is getting early intensive behavioral intervention in the form of quality ABA therapy. And this particular episode, we've gone back to the very beginning. There's over two years now of episodes on their YouTube page where you can follow Jack Riley as this intervention takes place. Uh, But this is the second episode, way back at the beginning. So the family hasn't actually welcomed a therapist to the house yet. And we get to see a little bit about what they're feeling as they've had to wait for the therapy to start and what their hopes are, what their fears are, what page they're on, it's a very emotional episode and we uh, have to say, we, we thank this family for, for giving us an opportunity to drop in on their lives to see what happens, it's very inspirational, but this, this is back at the beginning, so take a look, this is the A word.
5: agreed and held hands that early intervention is key, I then can't, I can't imagine why if the original center knew on November 2nd that they didn't speak or make much noise at all during the evaluation. They knew that on that day. I, I can't comprehend for the life of me why we even take a month to start speech therapy. That doesn't make any sense to me.
9: The waiting's hard. The waiting's really
5: hard. We read things about how the brain is so much more valuable, the younger they are, and, You know, every day that ticks by just seems like a waste of time. You know you go on the websites and you read all these things and, and there's kind of a club I think of moms who call themselves autism warriors and I hated that word when I first read it. I hated it. I still do. I don't... You know there's a lot of things I wanted to fight for but I didn't really have to fight for
9: autism. Yeah. It's okay man. We're lucky enough. He sprints to mom.
5: Okay this is how my son reacts to me coming home. Oh, Jack Riley! Hi! Mommy's home! Mommy's home! Hello!
9: When he sprints to me when I get home and, uh, and he, he kisses you and hugs you. Where's <laughs> <with> my son?
5: <tongue. laughs> One of the first people that I told when we got the diagnosis was a good friend of mine who knew somebody who had uh, an adopted son who has autism and had not only fought the fight, I mean, talk about autism warrior, this woman founded a whole foundation and was extremely active and extremely knowledgeable, and my friend put me on the phone with her. She was the one who turned me on to both AVA and to CARD and to tell me how valuable it was and we're very grateful for because because we, we realized that had we not been given information, we never would have known. The Regional Center would not have recommended that for us, so it, it, it required us to really, really push to get what we wanted, and I didn't know even until I asked the question if I had a choice. I thought this was great advice. Don't ever feel at, that you're at the mercy of the Regional Center because they're paying for your services. She told me, you're paying for your services, they're using tax money to do this, and you've paid taxes. Intake a card was actually a much more pleasant experience than the Regional Center evaluation. I think in part because we had been through it once and, and it wasn't as scary for us. It was a good experience for us because we felt like our son was himself. He had all the same things going on as far as autism is concerned, but he was still bright and happy and affectionate. I felt like he showed them both his, his good sides and, and the sides that he needs to work on. So for us it felt good because we felt like at least people were seeing what we see. I felt maybe for the first time that they got it, that it's like, okay, uh, he he is this way, this is what he's got going on, but we, we can make this better. At first, it was exhausting to think that every single thing was a teaching moment. That every single thing that he did, and I know that, you know, I would say something to him and he'd be like, really? <laughs> can we just feed him? Can yeah. we just feed him dinner we don't have to worry about it? But now even that's not as exhausting because it's sort of starting to become more natural for us. Mm-hmm. So that it doesn't feel as awful.
9: Well, I remember feeling guilty just for being be with him all day and then, you know, just sort of sneak the TV on to Sports Center in the afternoon and he's playing with his Legos and i just back up and lean against the sofa with him between my feet. But I wasn't really watching him. I would just try to watch Sports Center for a few minutes and then I'd always feel guilty and, and uh, try to get over that. <laughs> so. No more guilt. I think we're teammates, um, that's the, the best thing. I feel like she's on my side, I'm on her side.
5: We sort of, uh, we've been lucky that my weak moments are his strong moments.
9: Well, on a personal note, is the camera still on? It is. On a personal note, um, I would be lost, um, she she really dove in, and I mean, I have googled autism, and I still don't understand it until she explains it to me. Um, and which is
11: scary because i don't really understand well
9: that's the point but she she dives to the next step um and i'm just tr- starting to understand the last step and she's trying to explain the next step and um i told her last night i would be lost if she wasn't doing that because I, I wouldn't uh, i don't think i could sometimes i'm reading these things and and uh, it just floats over me because i'm i go numb again reading about it
5: well i think in, in, in fairness, I, I think one one person in each family has to take that role because yeah. I don't think you can both drive. I think there's always somebody in every family who just takes takes that role. Yeah.
9: If somebody takes charge, take a back seat. <laughs> that's that's the moral that I mean, that too.
1: welcome back to autism live so this amazing series the a-word it's available to you for free on youtube and as i mentioned there's over two years of episodes that you can watch so you know if you need a little inspiration today one of the things after watching that you can go and watch one of the more recent episodes uh, I don't know whether the last episode that came out was when we actually went to the zoo with them, uh, that the dad, Mike from The A Word, and Jack Riley, and myself, and Jem, and Emily came with us, and Suzanne, who makes Smarty, we all, and the therapist, Jessica, we all went off to the Los Angeles Zoo and spent an afternoon with the boys there as they checked out the animals and had a great time. It's really amazing to me to see how far Jack Riley has come and I and I know that if you are having difficulty explaining to a uh, another parent uh... you know to your partner saying this is why we need to do this this is what it looks like this is what they do this is how it makes the difference uh... this can be a really good tool for that kind of thing whether it's that or your mother-in-law or you know whoever it is that you're trying to convince even if it's yourself about what does quality ABA look like here's an example because they'll show you how they introduce something and how they do it in a clinic um, how everybody is on the same page And that how they'll start to do that DTT that Dr. Nadowski was just talking about, uh, where sometimes they're just sitting on the floor with Jack Riley and sometimes at a table and they'll be using kind of the equivalent of flashcards. But how that morphs from there, as she was saying, you know, you would never just do that, but how it morphs from there into being at his play date and then how, you know, he'll bring it up in a conversation, truly, truly amazing, and especially for those of you who have children who have feeding issues. Uh, Really a tremendous tool to be able to look at and see how over time they can systematically desensitize a child who is having huge aversive reactions to different foods. In the beginning, Jack Riley, you show him a banana and he bursts into tears, but that child eats bananas now and all is well. Um, And to see that arc of progress is really nothing quite like it. It's incredibly amazing so i encourage you to go to their youtube page check that out you also can go to their facebook page you know and interact with parents they post things and you can uh... keep up with them on the things that they have going on because there's always a lag between uh, when they film and when new things are posted on the a-word so uh, check it out it's worthwhile and again we thank that amazing family for their courage to not only be going through what they're going, but allow, allowing us to share with them. It's truly, truly amazing. I don't know if I would have been up for that, to be honest with you. I really don't. It was hard enough for me to let people who started out being strangers in my home on a regular basis and have them be a part of our family unit was really hard for me. Um, I struggled with it a a great deal. We had to do it. We had to do it to get to the progress that we got to. But it was not easy. Uh, In any case, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to spend a couple of minutes looking at your responses to who or what has helped you on Facebook. There's still time to write in on Facebook, but we'll take a look at it. So stick with us.
6: Hello fellow activists. Last week I introduced you to step five of the 10 steps to empowerment. Shore up spiritually. Let's talk more about finding ways to do that. How to find out what lifts your spirit, feeds your soul, and make it a practice. That practice is different things for different people. It could be the practice of meditation, of prayer, of community worship, or serving others. But it's the practice that will give you hope and faith and strength for the journey ahead for the marathon journey of raising a child with autism. I get inspired every day by the families of children with autism that I come into contact with. Like the parents of the nonverbal child who have not given up hope that that child will speak one day. Or the grandparents who should be enjoying their retirement but instead are joyfully raising their adult grandchild with autism. Or the mother who is fighting for services for her daughter while her marine husband is fighting a battle to keep our country safe. They all inspire me. My grandmother, Diddy, who is an angel who still guides me every day, had this quote inscribed in her Bible, I sought my soul, but my soul I could not see. I sought my God, but my God eluded me. I sought my brother, and I found all three. I think I'm finally starting to grasp the meaning of that. So feed your soul, lift your spirit, and until next time, keep the faith.
1: Welcome back to Autism Live. We like to check in on Facebook from time to time to see what you guys have written for the question of the day. Today, our question was, what or who has helped you to help to support you on this journey? Because all this week, we're talking about different ways that we can support ourselves and find support resources. So, uh, and we said no holds barred on this, that, you know, it it, it could be absolutely anything, because sometimes we don't think... Uh, about some of the things that could help us and so it helps to educate us. So somebody wrote in and said my kitties they help me when I'm stressed out petting cats is known to lower blood pressure. In fact all kinds of pets are known to help with uh, anxiety issues and with blood pressure issues. Uh, We all were talking about it in our house the other day we've adopted a dog it's it's I think we're close to year two now um, you know and parts of it have worked out really well she's still Cujo around other people but around us she's lovely and it's it's great in our household that we all have to come in and take a moment and pet the dog and be with the dog and, and appreciate her throughout the day she demands a certain amount of attention in a loving sort of way but that is a stress reliever so having a pet and even you know you can't pet a goldfish but uh, studies have shown that it is a good thing for people to uh have something of that nature to take care of and there by the way there are lessons and skills about teaching a child how to help to take care of a pet um really remarkable. And and we can even ask in a few minutes, Dr. Tarbox is going to be here with us, that he's been a part of doing some studies about children dealing effectively with pets and not being cruel to them. Really important stuff. I think a lot of us fear getting a pet when we have a child on the autism spectrum, because what's that going to, ha- what's going to happen? Uh, we can ask Dr. Tarbox to weigh in a little bit on that, about what strategies that we can do so that we have a happy home with a happy pet and a happy child. Another person who writes it and says, and I, I totally agree with this talking to other mothers who really get it you know we're getting ready um We're finishing up our Facing Fatherhood project, which is we got a roundtable of a group of dads together. And one of the things that they say overwhelmingly, uh, as I've been listening to the audio from the entire uh, day, is how great it was to sit and talk with other dads that they don't feel as alone. I think as moms, we really take the opportunity to do that, And, and certainly more dads need to have the opportunity to get together with other dads to disclose what they're feeling and just sort of, you know, purge those feelings and hear somebody else and go, oh my gosh, I feel exactly the same way or I can really relate to that. How freeing that is to share it with other people who get it. So I love that you're finding that with mothers and I want to encourage are moms and dads out there to take advantage of those opportunities when you can find them and to seek them out if you haven't found them yet there are a lot of things online and there are other groups that meet in person and another person says that my family has been a great support to me and my autism consultant Allison she's the best we love it when you give a shout out to somebody Allison wherever you are whatever you're doing you're really helping this family and that's an amazing thing and sometimes one person truly can make the difference all right, we are going to take a break and we're going to be back with more Autism Live after these messages.
12: When Maddie was diagnosed, I'll be honest, I was very ignorant on what autism was. I knew that autism was basically something that hit boys at the age of two to three and they shut down. And sometimes you think of the typical Rain Man uh, movie. Um, and with Maddie, she was doing all the same signs and symptoms of a, of a typical child with Autism Spectrum Disorder.
8: Stand up. She didn't even acknowledge us coming into the room. Um, she had barely any eye contact. Um, she didn't interact with her sister. She didn't really do anything. She just basically lined up her toys and that was about it. We have a team of seven volunteers, or or eight now, eight volunteers, including my husband and I. And I'm the team leader, and so I do all the curriculum and get everything ready each week.
12: Jana was downstairs until 11 o'clock at night working on curriculum, going through two different textbooks. And then we, as a group, meet on Monday nights, and we would go through what the curriculum was from Jana, And a lot of times we would go, how exactly do you do that? How do you sit her at the table and, and do this trial base? With what Skills has done for us, it's it's taken that away from Jana trying to figure out the curriculum for one. She can go down, or on our, even our laptop, and she can sit down and through all these questions, it comes up with the different programs.
8: At least for me, it was a relief off my shoulders. I was worried that I might be missing something. Um, missing a curriculum that maybe she needs to know, where skills, they have every every possible thing your child needs to know from zero to seven, they have a program for that.
12: What noise is this? Ah,
1: good job.
8: Every program that we did with her, I knew it was specific for what she needed to learn. Because before skills, it was a lot of okay, well, is that really age appropriate for a two-year-old? You know, because it's not generalized, it's anywhere from zero to seven. This is what your child needs to know in most in most manuals you'll find. Um, but for this, okay, yep, she should be learning this. And no, she's not four yet, she doesn't need to know that yet.
12: We are so fortunate that Jana was able to attend a conference put on by card that opened the door for skills and that Um, There's no looking back for us.
8: We started using the program in November. It seemed like by January something just clicked. and She has completely kind of came out of her fog that she was in for quite a while.
12: I have never read a documented case on any child that has not benefited anything from applied behavior analysis. And uh, now with this new skills and being, you know, like the E version of ABA, I can't imagine it doing anything harmful to their child. It's nothing but exponential growth for us.
8: To see her now, it it just blows us away when we call her our little miracle child because um, in seven months' time, she's just blossomed into this normal functioning child. And suddenly, we joke about it all the time, like suddenly we have twins.
12: If you're even thinking about doing it, do it, because the absolute worst thing you can do is do nothing at all. And even if you use this program and it's just a single mom or a single dad working in the evenings with their child, this program is going to benefit them. It's it's going to show you where they are, it's going to show you where they need to go, and it's going to show you what skills and how to get there. It is an online book on how to help recover your child.
1: Welcome back to Autism Live. So thrilled that we have with us Dr. Jonathan Tarbox. He is the head of research and development at the Center for Autism and Related Disorders and the director of the Autism Research Group. That's always a mouthful for me and I always look to you with like panic in my eyes about am I gonna get it right? You always do. Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) I think there've been weeks that I didn't get it quite right. But very impressive uh, the things that you do and we appreciate you taking the time to come and be here with us and letting us pick your beautiful brain. Uh, We call this science with Dr. Tarbox because you know quite a bit about research, in particular research having to do with autism. That's my job. And uh, we love it. We love the fact that you are on the job. Now uh, I want to talk with you today about the prescription for ABA. Okay. A whole lot of discussion and we're going to continue to talk all this year about the difference between just saying ABA and quality ABA. Right. And I think there's so much still misinformation about what quality ABA looks like and I want to put an end to to it. Great. Um, Sounds good. So uh, a lot of times we hear people say, well, I tried ABA and, and then you ask them and they go, but we stopped it because it wasn't working. It wasn't. Right. And, and one of the things that I ask is how long did you do it and how much were you getting? And frequently right. people will say, well, we did it for six months and we had eight hours a week right. with a three-year-old. Right. And then of course, you know, I break into hives and yeah. I want to cry yeah. because I know this person has been sold a bill of goods by somebody who wasn't in my opinion, well-intentioned, because right. how could you do that? The right. science is there. That's not right. And there is a prescription. We know that there is a prescription. So tell us what the prescription is and how we arrived at the prescription.
0: Okay. So uh, the, the outcome research is entirely clear that if you have a child under the age of five, Uh, with a diagnosis of autism PDD-NOS or autism spectrum disorder uh, that the one treatment that has been proven over and over by replicated research by many different research groups this isn't just one person's bright idea many different uh, unaffiliated researchers many different uh, universities many different uh, uh, um, treatment providers Mm -hmm. many different agencies and in many different countries and in many different languages have all found the same thing that under the age of five you want to do 30 to 40 hours a week of one-to-one ABA-based treatment for two years or more
1: so do we all hear that 30 to 40 hours for two years or more right exactly. that's the beginning so when when you go to the doctor and the doctor says you have strep throat and they're gonna prescribe the penicillin and they write it on the pad and they give it to you you know there isn't a discussion about well do I really have to take it this many days or can I just take a half a pill we don't have that discussion because we know that it needs to be this many milligrams across this many days to kick the strep throat That's right, right. Exactly. and it's the same kind of thing with ABA now you will find as a parent that when you say this to people people will say to you I know that eight years ago somebody said to me oh you know I know that Lovas found that but really the studies later on showed that that wasn't true and That's i mean, not correct I, right yeah. and I and I you know had somebody working with me that had given me at least three other studies that i could say what about this what about this what about this but that was 8 years ago
0: right now there's yeah since 2005 <laughs> so there's been many other studies that have that have found the same results and even used more sophisticated measures of outcome than the lovas study did and are finding very very robust effects so so
1: if somebody says to you that hasn't been replicated you can say that's not true that's incorrect. but you don't even have to rest on that There are studies that, you know, like I I had the three to go with, but there are so many more that you could go in with and say, here's this, here's this, here's this. What do you have? That's right. That shows that eight hours is effective because right. that will be cricket, 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 no, <laughs> nothing,
0: right. right? In fact, there has been one study by uh, Sigmund Eldevik in Norway um, who specifically evaluated 12 hours a week of ABA mm-hmm. therapy and found that the children did make some gains. They, they learned some stuff, um, but not very much more than the control group who did not get the 12 hours a week. Okay. Um, and they, even the authors, said this probably is not clinically significant. You know, they made a little bit of gains, maybe better than nothing, but this is not treatment for autism.
1: Okay. Uh, well, really, really important. Tell us where we would go to find the studies if we, if we need to go into an IEP or we need right. to go to our insurance provider or we need to go into somebody's office and say eight or ten hours isn't going to get it done. Right. Uh, and we want to have that backup.
0: Well, they can email Autism Live, okay. right, and then yes. they can always get in touch with me, or they can email me directly. Um, and I can forward them the PDFs of the studies.
1: So we can help you to have those studies if it's something that, you know, you're dealing with somebody who just is... I think sometimes people learn something. I I mentioned this the other day that, you know, my grandmother was told that you put butter on a burn. Right. Right? And then her daughter... This is my great-grandmother. And then her daughter was told that too. But at some point in my grandmother's learning, she found out you don't put butter on a burn. So she knew that. But my grandmother you know, died at like 92 years of age and she still believed you put butter on a burn and there was nothing you could do to convince her. Right. Right. Right? Some of these people are going to tell you information and they think it's true because it's what they were told in 1991. Right. Uh, It's no longer you know what is understood to be the truth now science has moved beyond nineteen ninety one that's right
0: and I would say you know a lot of parents and actually not just parents but a lot of treatment providers a lot of teachers a lot of uh, SLPs and so forth say that um, you know Well, and especially parents, you kind of know what's right for your child and that is your responsibility as a parent is to determine what's right for your child, Mm -hmm. right? Of course. So even if you go to a medical doctor and the medical doctor gives you a prescription, you do still need to think about that carefully, right? And evaluate that, right? You don't just blindly do whatever the doctor says. However, um, people, um, when it comes to ABA treatment and actually just treatment for autism in general, Parents, uh, we we often still hear things like this, like, I know what's right for my child, Mm -hmm. and I don't think, it just doesn't feel right to have my child do so much intensive one-to-one work all day, every day for years. That's just not right for me. That doesn't feel right. And, of course, that's your right as a parent to make that determination. Uh, But I would say... let's try to step back emotionally a little bit and replace autism with any other major problem that needs to be solved in society yeah. and ask yourself, is that, you know, is that the main way that you're gonna make the decision is how you feel about it? So like if you need to build a bridge, how you feel about the bridge, is that the most important thing or is it the hundreds of years of engineering that tell us how it actually works to build right. bridges, right? right. Uh, and so the, the personal feelings and the emotional investment is critically important, but it's, at the end of the day, it's probably not your best indication of what's actually going to work for your child. Uh, the same thing goes for a broken arm. The way that you feel about it, it doesn't, It's at the end of the day, it's not the deciding factor of how you're right. going to fix it. You go and fix your arm the way that hundreds of years of research has shown arms can be fixed. So. You know, I would just say that that's something to keep in mind, that, you know...
1: Well, and I think it's really important what you've said, and it, re- it really hits home. And, and so many discussions that I've had with parents, I know when they started talking about my son was going to need 40 hours of tra- even now, like my chest gets tight, 40 hours of treatment over at least two years, I went... Uh, and But I can tell you now, eight years later... that really what that was about was not my child spending that much time having therapy. It was, how are we going to pay for that?
0: Right, right. How are we going to pay
1: for that? How are we going to work our lives so that
0: that can happen? Yeah, how is it going to disrupt my my family's life to have all these people yeah. in my house uh, for so many hours? Uh, and also, quite honestly, how is it? how upsetting is it going to be to watch my young child have to work that yes. hard for so long? That yeah. does feel very contrary to how we believe childhood should be. We don't yeah. believe children should have to work really hard all day every day, right? Yeah. And in general, that's true. A typically developing preschooler doesn't need to work really hard all day every day. Yeah. for child development to occur. But the fact is for most kids on the spectrum, they do. They really do. They need yeah. to work hard all day every day in order to force that development to occur.
1: And I I had this uh, vision in my head of what, you know, having a 3-year-old was going to be like. That he and right. I were going to pack a, a picnic lunch in the morning and we were going to go sit in the field and chase butterflies and, you know, he was going to, you know, there's that the, the Winnie the Pooh song, The House on Pooh Corner about, you know, count all the bees in the hive. That's what we were were going to do, and it was going to be fabulous. And that dream, like, melted in front of me as they were talking about 40 hours a week. But here's what I need you to know as a parent, is that yes, we locked out, we got a funding source, so the money part of it got taken care of. It didn't make it easy, right. but it made it easier, and there's more funding available for more families in the United States today now, yeah. than there was then. Um, 27 states' insurance has to cover it, you know, and that's a good thing. So doesn't solve everybody's problem but it solves many more people's problems and that the truth of the matter is, is that while we didn't get endless amounts of time to spend in the field, is that having had that ABA therapy made it possible for me to be in the field and count the bees in the hive. Right,
0: absolutely.
1: So and I didn't lose the dream. I got the dream because of the 40 hours. So don't cheat yourself.
0: That's a great point. And I would also add on to that, that just because your child needs to work really hard all yeah. day every day with an <clears throat> ABA therapist doesn't mean can't also have fun. I mean, oh, ABA no. is supposed to be fun and you are supposed to get to have fun with your child. Yeah. I mean, any good ABA therapist should be asking you what did you do today that was fun? Just yeah. just yeah. for fun, just to make you feel good and just to make your kid feel good. Yeah. That's part of life. That doesn't yeah. need to go away. Like, Absolutely. That's critical, right? And in addition to that, you also need to put in the the, yeah. the hard work.
1: Yeah, and I got all, all of a clamped here. But, you know, it's funny, you talk about full circle moments, that the first therapist that ever came to our door was Peter Farig. And my son, you know, there would be a knock at the door, and my son would leap up off of the couch, and, and almost, you know, he'd tiptoe, like, running across. Across the carpet going Peter 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 he was so excited when Peter would be there with him and today um, Peter Farag is at my son's school today observing him at his school full circle moment um, but the level of excitement Um, that when when that knock would be at the door and I encourage you that yes there were times that my child cried Of course there were times that my child found it tough but you know my child also would fall down when he was learning how to walk and cry over that too it's you know those are those are good cries this is hard but I'm gonna be able to do it and and celebrate the victories Uh, but 98.9 percent of the time my child was thrilled with those therapists were there because they were playing with him and he was learning and he was loving it so don't cheat yourself get the full prescription and when people try to tell you that the prescription is less if your child is under the age of five you now know better Right. Um, and you have to advocate for your child now you mentioned doesn't matter whether it's PDD NOS doesn't matter whether it's autism or whether it's autism spectrum disorder so that does not leave out the kids I think it's very unusual for a kid to get a diagnosis of Asperger's before the age of five but I have heard of it. I think it is one of those things that they give to parents to like. I know when Jem was diagnosed with autism, I said, "But it's Asperger's, right?" Because we want to cling to. But you know, my kid's going to be you know this brilliant you know kind of nerdy kid, right? In that storm, you're clutching anything. But even if your child is under the age of five and, you've, and they've said Asperger's, you still need that 30 to 40 hours.
0: Well, there's no research on um, intensive treatment for kids with an Asperger's diagnosis under okay. the age of five. So we don't know, actually. But like you said, the reason why there's no research is because very few kids even get that diagnosis. Right. So the, the existing research has been on children who have a, a diagnosis of either autistic disorder or PDD-NOS, and there actually is one study that compared outcomes or analyzed outcomes separately for kids with PDD-NOS versus full-blown autism, and the kids with PDD-NOS actually gained more. They actually did better with the intensive therapy than the more severe kids. So yeah, a real common misconception is, well, my child is less severe. Uh, so he doesn't need as many hours. Right. But the research actually suggests the opposite. If your child is less severe, they're going to be- benefit even more from the intensive hours.
1: Okay, so everybody needs to get this. Fight for it, and if you need help fighting for it, write in and, and we'll, we'll you know, give you some tools to help you to fight for That's it. That's right. All right, we're going to take a break and come back and have Dr. Tarbox answer a question that came in last week after our discussion last week. So stick with us.
7: The Institute for Behavioral Training provides courses in applied behavior analysis for the treatment of autism. Access IBTE learning videos on the move and learn at your own pace. I'm
0: going to talk a little intensity.
7: IBT e-learning makes any location your classroom on the go. So our
5: objectives for today are to really learn what is autism and
7: how is it diagnosed. Get professional guidance with IBT face-to-face training. IBT face-to-face training courses prepare you to effectively implement ABA-based interventions. Choose between small group and one-to-one instruction earn bcba supervision hours via one-to-one video conferencing
0: so i had a chance to review your vip today you know what it looked really good you did a good job with it.
7: ibt continuing education courses earn credit through webinars conferences article reviews and e-learning videos you can learn more at ibehavioraltraining.com ibt 360 degrees of aba training
1: Welcome back to Autism Live. Last week, Dr. Tarbox and I were having a conversation. It's one of my, you know, missions this year that we're going to talk a lot about quality ABA and and really get good at all of us being able to recognize the the signs of quality ABA happening. Um, because now that more people have access to it, we just have to make sure that we're on quality control as That's parents. Right. We really do. Um, so. And somebody wrote in and said, Hi, I'm loving all the focus on quality ABA, but as a potential future BCBA, can Dr. Tarbox please explain how a newly qualified BCBA is supposed to get all the experience you recommend? I wouldn't blame any parent for not wanting a newbie working with their kid, but the experience has to come from somewhere. And at some point, a new therapist will have to take the step from shadowing a more experienced professional to going it alone. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Thank you for a great show. I watch every day and learn so much, and we appreciate you watching.
0: Absolutely. So Dr. Tarbox? Right, so um, I would say actually, uh, sort of the medical training system is a good analogy. So when you go to uh, a training hospital, like let's say UCLA Medical Center or Johns Hopkins Hospital, uh, you go there. The practitioners that are working with you, whether it's a nurse, a doctor, surgeon, whatever it is, um, they're, uh, they, may or, they may be uh, early on in their career and their training. Uh, they may even be a medical student, right? Mm-hmm. Or they may be much later uh, in their career and their training. But if it is someone who's earlier on, there, it's not just them, Joe Blow, newbie, and nobody else around, yeah. right? It's them plus a bunch of other experts who are their mentor or their supervisor right. dropping in, checking in on everything they do, approving everything they do before they do it mm-hmm. and giving them a very intensive level of training and supervision before they're trusted to actually just go, go out and open their own practice. Right. So uh, it should be very similar in ABA. So. Uh, when a new person gets hired as a therapist with no experience, they need a lot of classroom training, usually about 30 hours or more, Mm -hmm. and then they need a lot of hands-on training with an experienced therapist observing them and showing them how to do things and then watching them do it with the kid, right? And so that if they do start to mess anything up, the the, um, the therapist observing jumps in and does it instead, right? right? And gives them continuous feedback and prompting and says, no, 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 don't do it like that. Do it like this. And then the new therapist does it and they say, yeah, great job, okay?
1: And sometimes the kids even tell them they're doing it wrong. We've seen that happen many times. Sure, the kids absolutely. will say, "That's not how you do that." Right. I mean, in whatever way they can communicate it. But
0: right. yes. So the difference. So the question is, when does that person, when is that person able to sort of fly on their own? Right. Mm. Well, the answer is not until they're able to do it. And so at Card, the, that person fails and is let go if they're not good enough. Right. Yeah. I mean, we have a very careful evaluation system, a field evaluation system, where they need to be checked off on all the different competencies to 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 uh, function as a therapist. If they can't pass those competencies they receive additional training right and they have another chance to to take the field evaluation again later eventually if they still can't pass it they don't get to work with kids yeah. and that's just how it is and that's very expensive for us to do it costs a fortune to do all that additional training and supervision and mentoring mm-hmm. um, but frankly we just don't feel there's any other ethical way to do it right absolutely um, and so it yeah it, it requires a lot of time and a lot of effort but you got to do it now Um, And then you you might say, okay, great, well, this person now is trusted to work with kids, right? Yeah, okay. So now there's no one overlapping with them. They're working directly with the child with no direct supervision in the moment. However, now they're attending clinic meetings with the kid's supervisor every two weeks for two hours, and they still need to demonstrate their uh, expertise, and the supervisor gives them feedback. Supervisors should also be doing overlaps in the home to watch those therapists doing the actual therapy, right? Then we have uh, regular therapist meetings, uh, usually about once a month, where they do additional trainings. And so there's ongoing professional development. So really, at a good quality agency, no ABA professional is ever just on their own anymore. Never, for the rest of their career, they're engaged in supervision from somebody who's better than them, Mm -hmm. and they receive ongoing professional development in the form of trainings, uh, continuing education courses, attending conferences. But the idea is, you're never done developing your expertise until you die.
1: Mm-hmm. And then when you, and when you're becoming a BCBA, it's just a continuation of all that. Absolutely. And there are, I, I don't know, I don't know what the requirement is for hours, but it's a huge requirement of hours.
0: Yeah, it's uh, pretty good. It actually probably should be more. Like a lot of other professional uh, disciplines actually have an even larger requirement. Really? I think it's about 1,500 hours now. Okay. Um, and but but then of course the, the main thing is, are you being supervised by someone else who's good quality? Key. Right. Very key. And if the answer to that is no, then it doesn't matter how many hours you put in, you're learning the wrong way to begin with.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So important. Now, we had a follow-up to our discussion about the 40 hours a week question. Somebody wrote in and said, does 40 hours a week of ABA for two years hold good still for a 10-year-old child with moderate functioning, talks in one to two words most of the times, but could utter long sentence if, if asked to, academically poor with some STEM behaviors? What do you think such a 40 hours uh, a week for two years would do for such a child? Thank right. you.
0: Great question. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, the research still hasn't been done on intensive intervention for older kids. So the real, truth of the, the real truthful answer is we don't know, right? Based on research, we don't know. Um, however, do ABA-based uh, procedures for teaching and educating older children work? Yes, of course. There's a ton of research, uh, on smaller-scale research, on teaching individual skills and decreasing individual uh, challenging behaviors in ten-year-olds all the way up to eighteen-year-olds and thirty-year-olds and fifty-year-olds even Mm -hmm. on the spectrum uh, showing yes ABA based procedures work now if um, an individual is going to school let's say special education or mainstreamed into regular education when are you going to get forty hours in outside of that it's going to be pretty much impossible However, there are ABA-based schools, we run one of them ourselves in Virginia, uh, where it's the child's educational placement. So it's their school, and it's informed by the principles and procedures of ABA, so they're getting 30 hours a week, Uh, Sometimes it's one-to-one, sometimes it's not. It depends on the funding sources, it depends on um, how severe uh, the challenging behavior is, things like that, Uh, but the general answer is, when do you stop, uh, well, the general, general answer is a question, and that is, when do you stop learning? Right. and that's when you're dead, right? And right. that includes people on the spectrum and that includes everybody else, right? right. So can a 10 year old continue to learn effectively through ABA based procedures? Absolutely. Okay. Um, is there any research that has evaluated 40 hours a week of, you know, for two years of one-to-one intervention? No, that study simply has not been done.
1: I, I you know and I feel for this parent because I, I have a 10-year-old and um I know what the schedule looks like for a 10-year-old. Right. And and once you get into school you're on this treadmill of, you know, it it like it just go, starts going really fast. And if right. you're not getting where you want um uh, where you want to be Uh, you know and that looks different for all of us but I but and I and I realize you know um, it's totally different your circumstances and my circumstances and our children are totally different but I know earlier this year I had to stop and say I don't think this is right I finally got to that place where my my gut and my head had to have the conversation of I don't right. think this is what's working, right. and it, it was a very frightening moment for me about Are we doing what we want to be doing? Are we getting where we want to be getting? And I honestly I will tell you that you know it was part of what was being revealed to me, but also through conversations with you about it's not the child, right. but that when we're not getting where we and we're not seeing the progress that we have to change something absolutely, and that can be so scary for a parent uh, because schools are big entities and they are very good at telling us that they know more about what they're doing than we do. Right. Um, but eventually if your gut starts saying, uh, to your head, excuse me we have to have a talk about this, <laughs> which is what happened with me. Um, you know, you got to look at it. That doesn't mean you have to run out and do something that day. Right. It doesn't mean you have to throw everything out with, you know, the baby with bathwater, but sometimes we have to make a change. Right.
0: And you know, one thing that your uh, listener could do is they could go to their IEP meeting and say, look, um, research shows that ABA-based procedures are really effective for teaching ten-year-olds uh, or older children with autism, and so I want that to be incorporated in into what my child is receiving in the school, yeah. so I don't know what his placement is like. Right. But maybe some pullout services, or maybe an ABA-trained uh, one-to-one to help in you know difficult times in the classroom. Uh, maybe some after-school tutoring or something that's based on yeah. ABA principles. There's a lot of different options for how it can still be incorporated. Yeah. Um, but uh, it it you know she can absolutely ask for that, and uh, if she contacts us, we can I can send her some of those research articles. Okay. It's on individual skills though, so it might be something like uh, social skills. Okay. Know, is there any research supporting uh, social skills interventions can be uh, effective for older kids? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we can send her some useful articles uh, on particular okay. topics.
1: So you can you can write to me and 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 let me know that you want some of those articles about targeting specific skills for
0: ten year olds or for ten year olds
1: yeah. or older um, to look at that because you know at a certain point you know that really becomes the game anyway about what is what's the next thing we have to do right. what's the next one thing of the we sort of the tar- major priorities yeah, right? yeah. exactly that's it it exactly okay so hopefully that was uh that helped to answer your question but write to us if you want more information about those individual studies all right we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back and have Dr. Charbox answer another question stick with us
13: what do you think
1: about ABA treatment ABA is the
13: one that's documented but I think that's what I think is important for little kids, the intensity. If this kid's two, three, and four years old, he needs 20 or 30 hours a week of intensive early intervention, working one-to-one with an effective teacher. Mm -hmm. And an effective teacher knows kind of how just hard to push, because you've got to stretch these kids. Mm -hmm. If you don't stretch them somewhere, they don't advance. Mm -hmm. You push on them too hard, they go into sensory shutdown. The worst thing you could do with an autistic two-year-old is to do nothing with them and just let them sit there rocking. And When I was very young at two and a half, ABA-type things were used on me. But it wasn't called ABA in that day. Right. You know, my teacher would hold up a cup, and she'd speak slowly. you got to speak slowly to these kids, because there's auditory processing problems. And she'd say cup. And then I'd say cup, and, and the teacher would praise me. You know, that's very similar to ABA. You know, ABA in its um, you know, original form is a little kids program. The whole idea is you're trying to get language jump-started. And I like the more flexible kinds of ABA. You've got different levels of kids. Mm-hmm. Um, once, I mean, I had ABA-type stuff when I was young, but mm-hmm. then after I pulled out of it, I didn't have to go through elaborate things of getting ready for school. I still have this habit now today. I lay my clothes out the night before that I'm going to wear, mm-hmm. so when I'm sleepy, I can just get them on. And then you have other individuals where they've got to do very structured, you know, uh, you know breaking down the task analysis. This is where after you get out of the little kids and you get them talking, they kind of diverge. Into, yeah different levels of functioning. And a type of ABA program that'd be suitable for a very severe kid would not be something you'd want to do with a mild Asperger kid because you're going to bore them to death and make them hate school. Absolutely.
1: Welcome back to Autism Live. We're here with Dr. Jonathan Tarbox and our question for him is does ABA work for children who are nonverbal?
0: All right. (laughs) <laughs> so the, uh, the short answer is absolutely. In fact, ABA, uh, intensive early ABA, so starting before the age of five, doing 30 or more hours a week for at least two years, is the only treatment that has replicated research showing that it can make kids who are nonverbal become verbal, okay? okay? So absolutely ABA works for uh, for kids who are nonverbal. And uh, for children who maybe are older and uh, are, are still nonverbal, um, ABA can still be very effective to teach alternative means of communication. So for example, to teach, children how to use a picture exchange communication system, or PECs. that's ABA, that came from ABA. Um, teaching children how to use augmentative communication devices, things like a VOCA or an iPad to communicate, um, are absolutely teachable through ABA. In fact, it's the ABA principles of reinforcement and motivation that cause children to learn how to communicate when they want something. Um, so it's absolutely effective for children who are nonverbal. Um, And uh, there's a a large variety of ways that it can be used. Uh, And it's never too late for children to to learn some amount of vocalization. Even if a kid continues to be uh, almost completely non-vocal, some amount of vocalizations are still able to be increased, uh, generally speaking, even with older
1: kids. So parents who have children who are nonverbal should be very encouraged. Absolutely. And and they should uh, be a part of that 30 to 40 hours a week if the child is under the age of 5 right. or ABA quality ABA therapy. Right,
0: absolutely. And Wonderful. that is your best shot at bringing your kid into the verbal range.
1: Okay, great. Thank you so much. We're going to take another break and be back more with Dr. Jonathan Tarbox after these messages.
2: Nick was diagnosed with autism in 1994 at the age of four. He received five years of therapy from CARD that eventually faded out. Nick recovered from autism in 2001.
14: This song I'm about to perform by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. CARD helped many patients, myself, to recover to this level now.
2: Cheryl and Mike's son, Jack Riley, was diagnosed with autism in 2010 at age 2. He's been receiving therapy from CARD for a year and a half. Today, Cheryl, Mike, and Nick meet for the first time.
9: I'm curious
14: as to what you remember. I certainly remember pretty long sessions. And I'd be frustrated if I would make mistakes. I mean, I remember one time I had to count a row of six blocks. Kept messing up. That was really difficult.
8: No. I need it. I need
5: it. At what point do you recall hearing the word autism?
14: I was able to figure out what I was going through without anybody having to tell me.
5: Our concern is if it's a big secret to hide. I don't know what, what we can no say. No one ever
14: told you, you just, you just yeah. discerned but it. But the reason I'm comfortable talking about this is because I felt it. In therapy, I began. I certainly began questioning why you know, people reacted as they did based on what I said and did. Particularly because of difficulties I was facing in school, I just it got to a point where I wanted to understand why it was. So I entered while still um, going through therapy and still showing significant signs of the mental condition. Even after I had improved to a significant extent, there were those who still gave me a hard time for it.
5: Did it hurt your feelings when you were in school, the way it that did. kids...
14: Oh, absolutely, because it was bullying, it was harassment.
5: That scares us.
14: That, they called me names, they, I was basically, when it came to sports and PE, I was usually the last kid chosen. Did
5: yeah. teachers intervene?
14: Um, for, not really. I mean, it was just so hard for me to talk about it because of how ashamed I felt. You know, certainly the first few years of elementary school, I don't think I really had the most supportive teachers. I mean. I remember I, my mom told me how my first grade teacher once said that she thought I had no chance of getting anywhere. And going away to college and out of state and being the only person um, for my old school district has made a difference. It's just really improved my you social life tremendously you because yourself. I got to be me, because with nobody knowing about my past, I wasn't faced with these um, misconceptions and prejudgments.
5: Do you tell people, new people that you meet?
14: No, that's not the first thing I will ever No, it's, I would I hope, hope it's not the first and then, thing. You know what? In most cases, I never do, because while it's a part of my past, it doesn't define who I am. I mean, just thinking back, just thinking back to the very beginning, pretty much each episode, autism, what, not who. I want to tell you right now, though, I, I'm so impressed with you. Likewise. I want you to know that. Likewise. I mean, um, your, your son really inspires me just good, as much, good, because... Good, good, good. I'll oh, tell so you
9: anytime time. I, I adore him, and, yeah. and, and but I'd be lying if I, I, I said it wasn't challenging. Mm-hmm. I mean. um, it's 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 cost me my 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 the stuff that uh, you know, like career things, mm-hmm. goals. I don't care about those anymore. Mm-hmm. i I'm, I work at night. I'm tending bar. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm too good for that. I'm just saying that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, I want him to have a chance, Right. and uh, you you inspire me now. Thank you. The feeling goes both ways. The
14: feeling's mutual. Before you leave today, we would like you to meet Jack. I would love to.
11: This is Nick. Hi, Nick. Hey, Jack Riley. All right, should we try this? I'm
2: going to try to take a picture of all of you. One, two, and three. Jack Riley,
14: you rock.
1: Welcome back to Autism Live. We're here with Dr. Jonathan Tarbox, who is the head of research and development for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders, and also the director of the Autism Research Group. And we're here towards the end of the week, and I I just wanted to give you a second to talk a little bit about Autism Research Group and how people can access the information that's available. Earlier in the segment before, somebody had written in about how um, helpful having a pet was for them, and I had mentioned that you've been involved in some research uh, with the Autism Research group about helping kids on the autism spectrum who uh, are having a problem dealing with the pet. Because I think mm-hmm. a lot of parents have fear. Uh, those are, That's one of the real things in life. We have fear about we want the pet. We think that it's going to be a stress-reducing thing. But is the child going to be interacting? It's just one of the many things that you guys have taken on, right?
0: Right, yes. And yeah, so the, you know, at first blush, it's a great idea to get a pet. And what could be nicer than a nice, furry, cute dog? And it's a companion. And you know what I mean? It's just wonderful. Yeah. And at the same time, since nothing is ever simple, uh, it may be another source of challenge for you and your child, right? It may well turn into something where your child is handling the dog too roughly or um, doing things unintentionally that are going to hurt the animal or aggravate the animal, you know, um, pulling its tail, pulling its hair, things like that. So, yes, even that too, even having a cute little dog may well turn into another opportunity for you to practice another skill with your child, right? Which probably the whole point of getting a pet is to not have to think about everything always being so serious in your life, right? Just have fun for once and then just enjoy life. Uh, but. Yeah. So it may turn into that, and and if it, but the good news is, if it does turn into an issue, just like everything else with autism yeah. and ABA, there are things you can do about it. Yeah. And so yes, we have worked with some children who uh, were handling their family pets uh, too roughly. And we use the same basic procedures we use for everything else in ABA, which is you know, prompt the child to do what you want them to do, right? Use lots of positive reinforcement and praise and make it fun, and then gradually fade out the prompting and the reinforcement until the child's doing it on their own. So if you want to increase um, gentle petting, you're going to have to practice it. Sit down with your, with your kid and with the dog and show them what it looks like to pet nicely. Use rules if your child can understand rules, like we pet the dog nicely, you know, pat the dog or something prompt physically prompt your child to to engage in the nice soft petting if Mm -hmm. necessary then don't forget the reinforcement part they're not going to do it just because you want them to you got to use some kind of uh, reinforcement that's effective so whether it's edible or praise or tickles or whatever it's got to be reinforcement that the kid cares about and wants to get from you yeah Um, reinforce the appropriate petting if the if the child does go for the inappropriate or too rough uh, petting you can um, physically block that Um, you can also reward what we actually did in study that we published is reward the child when they don't engage in the aggressive behavior yeah. um, and as long as the the rule is set up to where you can only get this positive reinforcer that you want if you don't uh, be, uh, if you don't act aggressively with the dog uh, then that can work very well and we actually had to start with 10 seconds be ni- you know don't hurt the dog for 10 seconds and you get a reward okay yeah. but then we were gradually able to fade that out to 10 minutes and then once it got to 10 minutes the, ch- the child just learned to be nice with the dog and we didn't even need to do the reinforcement anymore.
1: Yeah. And and one of the things that I, you know, I, we weren't even going to get a dog because I thought it was too much and what was going to happen and I didn't want to deal with something and so we didn't even have the benefit of that. But then the more I heard you talk about the fact that if something happened we could, you know, we could come up with an intervention, then the stronger I felt about let's get a dog. But one of the things that I've noticed with our dog is that We worked really hard to make it reinforcing for the dog to Mm -hmm. interact with our child too. Mm -hmm. So she got praised and she got treats um, because she would rather have come to us. But one of the things that we did was uh, whenever there was a treat or something, we had Jem give it to her so that she looks at him as a source of pleasure as well. Mm -hmm. So she does go to him and then he pets her and it becomes this happy, you know, Mm -hmm. the little hearts drawn everywhere. Forget it with anybody else. My dog can't be around anyone (laughs) but us, but at least it works for us and that's, and that's a good thing, and they have a nice bond now. But as I said, that's just one of the many things that Autism Research Group has given us. So tell us a little bit about what the mission is and how people can access information. Sure.
0: So, Autism Research Group is a nonprofit research institute that we started for the purposes of doing research that makes a real life difference in families uh, living with autism. So, most research out there, uh, not just on autism but other healthcare issues also, is really more sort of for academic interest mm-hmm. and more for sort of scholarly or scientific interest than anything else and so a lot of parents uh, of folks on the spectrum will tell us you know great i just saw all the new millions and millions of dollars that were funded by nih or autism speaks or whatever else to do all of this research and kids with autism and now at the end of the day what does any of this mean for my kid and yeah. how is it actually going to help my kid tomorrow or today and the, and the honest answer for most research on autism is it's not It's not going to help anytime soon, and so, uh, and and that research is important too for its own reasons, right? Because a genetic study you do today may well lead towards some major breakthrough 20 years from now. It's possible, we don't know, but it's possible. The kind of research we're focusing on in our niche at Autism Research Group is stuff that makes a real difference for the kids who are participating in the research and their families.
1: Yes, so if your child is constantly, you know, uh, uh, throwing up and you want to figure out why they're throwing up or, or your child is hurting the dog or right. things Picky like that. eating, uh, Picky safety eating, yeah.
0: skills in the community. Yeah. Um, you know, you name it. Things that make a real life difference. Uh, another big focus of ours is on perspective taking skills. Yes. So teaching your child how to understand what it's like to be in someone else's shoes and how to use that understanding and apply it to one's own social behavior. So if I'm going to play with my buddy on a play date, I can, it'll help me to better understand where he's coming from and to kind of take into consideration his preferences, his intentions, what he's thinking or what he wants so that it's sort of a, a mutual reciprocal play situation rather than me just doing my thing and you doing your
1: thing. And I got to tell you, you guys do it so well. You teach perspective taking so well that I I think it's ironic now that as more and more young people have had the benefit of this, I'm seeing a shift that as we look at the world Pretty much every problem that ha- there is in the world, you could pare down to perspective taking, whether it's That's a really war true. or neighbors really having, you know, a difficulty or a spouse, uh, you know, thing happening. It's a it's a, ma- it's a measure of perspective taking. And we know that there's a deficit on the autism spectrum. And so you guys sort of get in front of that and teach the perspective taking. And what we're discovering uh, in some of these older kids is that their perspective taking skills are so much better than the general population.
0: That's right. Absolutely. Which is pretty amazing, right? Yeah. That we can bring kids to that level and yet it's extremely ironic that we're supposedly preparing the these kids on the spectrum to function in the typically developing world right. and it turns out we actually make them better at something yes right, than, so uh, than a lot of folks are
1: my answer for that is that you know when you're done with this book the next book should be on perspective taking for people who aren't on the spectrum
0: really absolutely you know it's not um, yeah. that
1: teaching all the things that we've learned about teaching perspective taking to people who have a deficit in it to people who shouldn't have a deficit in it Absolutely. Uh, it should be a part of the curriculum at school. Absolutely. Well, I thank you so much. It is time for us to let you have your day back and go back to the, the really important things that you do. But thank you so much for the work that you do on a daily basis. It's always a pleasure to be here. I well, it's our, our pleasure, our thrill. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back to close out the show and close out the week and tell you a little bit about what's happening next week. So stick with us. Monica Holloway is a critically acclaimed author, speaker, and activist. She's also an autism mom. Her son Wills was diagnosed with autism at the age of three. Now at the age of 15, Wills is a high school freshman, attending a mainstream school. I'm in a brand new school, I'm in a great school that I love, and I'm really happy there. I made friends pretty quickly on the first day, uh-huh. and something interesting happened to me on the first day. Tell me. We were doing a art project with um, fabric markers, and there was a little label on it that said Squeeze for best results. Okay. And so I squeezed it and exploded, all over the people at my table. Oh no! And we're all covered in little blue dots. I asked Wills how he describes autism to people. I say that I have Asperger syndrome, which is a slight form of autism. It doesn't make you any different. It really doesn't. It's just. It's just there and it just kind of makes you who you are. I asked Wills what he thought of the Sandy Hook shooter's actions being linked to autism. Please, please, just don't don't be scared of autism. If, you, if somebody has autism, don't be scared of them. Chances are they're not violent. They're just like you or me. Monica is a proud mom with good cause. I asked her to
3: describe Wills in five words. Generous, curious, funny, sensitive
1: loving we had a chance to talk about the sandy hook massacre and how monica heard the news
3: on friday when it happened when the shooting happened in connecticut i was in my car and uh, my husband michael called to tell me what had happened and i was in a state of shock as i think we all were but that many children and i felt i guess a mind can't Take in that kind of information uh, without feeling nauseous. I, I felt it go from here all the way down my body. I started calling everybody I knew to tell them that I loved them and um, I was thinking about them and I just wanted to be with the people that I knew. I started hearing more and more um, information come on the news about this shooter having Asperger's or being autistic. And then I started hearing things about, um, well, does autism cause violence? And I started to, I was in a whole other level of shock. Never in a million years would I think that somebody might associate us and my son's face with the face of violence just because he has Asperger's. And I've seen bad days and good days and that's what kills me is like there was not a day bad enough to ever make me think that he or any of his friends could ever be violent. The only Thing that made me even feel a little bit better, to do something to help educate. And so we've started a campaign on my Facebook page, Cowboy and Wills, it's called I Am the Face of Autism. And please post a picture of yourself, it can be your child, your friend with autism. Let's put these beautiful faces of these people with autism on to wipe out the face of this murderer. Let's put our faces in front of his
1: welcome back to autism live we're here at the end of the show and really the end of the week for us now that we're only doing shows on tuesday wednesday and thursday but i uh, do want to give a shout out we just saw monica holloway and what an amazing woman and we really miss her we hope that we can bring her back soon when we stop doing shows on monday it uh, just didn't work out scheduling wise but we adore her you've got to check out her website and her Facebook for Cowboy and Wills and if you haven't read Cowboy and Wills, you should. In any case, uh, we are going to be back on Tuesday. Got a really exciting week. We're bringing you some more bloggers next week Uh, because this entire month we're focusing on blog Arama. rama We were supposed to have Paul Simmons from Autism Radio for you today, but we've had to reschedule that to fit his schedule. But we will. We'll have him on. And if you know a blogger that would like to be featured on the show, please let us know uh, because we're wanting to highlight some of the amazing blogs that are out there in the autism community. We'll be back on Tuesday morning. Alex Plank will be here, and I believe that Matt Asner from Autism Speaks will be here. And until then, we hope that you have a good weekend and that you will give your kiddos a hug from me. Bye-bye for now.